Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to Community Bible Church and to our service online this morning. We're so thankful that you chose to join us because you could have been anywhere else today and you chose to be here with us. So thank you so much for that. I hope everybody is doing well. In just a moment, we're going to be in the book of Esther chapter 4 and we're going to be doing a little overview of the book of Esther in just a few moments as we talk about the fact that often God is setting us up for the moment that we need to step up. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But before that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you today and praise you for the opportunity to be together here online, to be together uh, and to stay connected. Even though we feel so disconnected, we can still be together here. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the technology that allowed us, allows us to do that. God, I pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Recently, I had come home from a meeting late and ate dinner late, and so I literally collapsed at the chair and fell asleep. Well, I guess my wife said I was sleeping so well that she said she was just going to leave me there, and that's exactly what she did. Well, I woke up about 12.30, and all the lights were on still, and the TV was on, and so I woke up. You know how you do that. You wake up, you're kind of groggy, and so you wake up, and you go over, and I start to shut the lights off, and I start to shut the TV off, and I walk over to the to the patio door to make sure that it's locked, and it is, but something catches my attention. And I looked, and it was a fire. A fire on the patio. Now, before you think it was a fire fire, it was a fire in the fire pit. But it was odd because everybody else was asleep in my house, and so I looked outside, didn't see anything, and I thought, well, that's a little strange. And then I, and then I went over to the other window to see if somebody maybe was squatting. You know, I thought maybe somebody was out there squatting inside to build a fire. And so I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I did what any good husband would do at that moment. I went upstairs, woke my wife up out of a deep, deep sleep and said, bam, bam, quick. Will somebody build a fire outside? And she's startled and she goes, oh, Josh tried to do it. I said, Josh, where's he at? Everybody was asleep. So I went downstairs, got water, doused the fire. And the next day I saw my son. I said, hey, son. I said, were you um?" Were you building a fire yesterday? He said, oh, yeah, Dad, I took some of the scripts, some of the scraps of wood that I had and some of the, the sawdust and decided I was going to try to build a fire. But he said, I, I just couldn't get it to ignite. And so I walked away. I said, you couldn't get it to ignite. I said, it ignited. All right, buddy. I said, it ignited to the point that it was, it was a blazing fire. And he said, you're kidding. Wow. He goes, no, I just walked away. I didn't want to wait anymore. <laughs> How many times have we waited and worked and set things up only to walk away thinking it's not working or worse, it's not even worth it? We do that so often in our lives. And I'm here to tell you today that when we look at those in-between times, it's we look at them and we're kind of get, we get frustrated by them. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about the in between times, right? You know, they're those they're those those in between times, that waiting time that seems to last a lifetime. And we're like, what are we going to do next? Why do we dislike the in between times so much? Why do we why do we we hate them so much? Well, I think that that often it, we feel like it's never going to end. It seems like it goes on and on and on, kind of like a, a treadmill. You, know, you go on the treadmill, and uh, what happens on the treadmill? You, you, you walk, and you walk, and you walk, and you walk, and you walk, or you run, and you run, and you run, but you never get anywhere. You exert an awful lot of energy, 
but you never get anywhere. That's how you feel. You feel like you feel you feel worn out and frustrated and all of that. And then what happens is it elevates and we start to feel worry and anxiety and, and even more frustration. And then we second guess our decisions. Are we not doing the same thing? Is it worth it? Is it even where God wants me? Furthermore, maybe I did the wrong thing and God abandoned me. And we have that kind of thought. That's an awful place to live and an awful place to be to think that God abandoned us because I'm here to tell you that even though it feels like it, that he didn't. Those in-between times, whether they're thrusted upon us, whether we're forced into them, or whether we choose those in-between times, God can use them to set us up so that when our time comes to step up and do what he's called us to do, we're prepared to do it the in-between times. How do we deal with them, though? I mean, when we have that, that, that waiting time that feels like a lifetime, how do, we, how do we handle it? Well, I think there's no better story than this in the Bible than the story of Esther. And I think God put it in there for that reason for us. It's pretty interesting because the, the, the book of Esther, of course, is, is a book that was a book named after her. Now, before we actually get into the text today, I want to talk to you for a moment and kind of give you the setting of what's going on in this particular passage of Scripture, in this particular book. So the Jews were in exile, and they were in under the Persian rule of a guy by the name of Xerxes. Xerxes' rule, his land, probably went some 3,000 miles at least in distance. And so, so the Jews were in exile in Persia under King Xerxes. Now, what happened is that King Xerxes had a, the queen named Vashti, and Vashti one day decided to be disloyal to him. She literally said, I'm not going to do what he wants me to do, and that's it. And so, so because of that, he could have had her killed, but he decided to throw her off of the throne. And so he got rid of Queen Vashti, and that was it. Now, he wasn't worried because the king, of course, had a bunch of, well, concubines. Now, I will tell you that they picked the cream of the beauty crop, so to speak, for a concubine for the king. And they often would prepare them in certain harems. So there would be a preparatory time of, of, of 12 months. They would, they would do all kinds of, of beautifying practices to make them more beautiful and, and to make them more desirable to the king. And then after they were prepped, they were moved closer into a, into a second harem where he could pick from that harem. Now, there happened to have been a young lady by the name of Esther. Esther was a Jew. Esther had been raised by her cousin by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai, after her parents died, Mordecai brought Esther in to live as one, as one of his own. And so Mordecai was always watching out for her. She went through, uh, through, through all of these things, and he watched from a distance but was always checking in on her, making sure that she was doing okay, even though this lifestyle of a concubine was forced upon her. One day, the king says, he sees Esther, and he said, I want her. I want her. She's the one. They bring Esther in to him. He spends some time with her, and he is absolutely smitten by her beauty. He cannot believe how beautiful she is. He's so smitten, as a matter of fact, that he decides to make her the queen. So Esther, a Jewish woman, is elevated to be the queen. Well, while all this is going on, a problem has been brewing with 
her cousin Mordecai who raised her. See, the king had a guy that worked for him by the name of Haman, and Haman was, Haman was right underneath the king, but Haman expected to be treated like the king. Mordecai, by the way, had great respect for King Xerxes and winds up foiling an assassination attempt against him, but he didn't have the same amount of respect for Haman. As a matter of fact, when Haman walked by, he demanded that everybody bow to him like they did the king. Mordecai said, I'm not doing that, and he wouldn't. From that point on, Haman had it out for Mordecai. In fact, he decided he was going to kill him. He one day, he one day developed this, this, this plan. He hatched this plan, and he thought to himself, wait a minute, Mordecai's a Jew. I'm not just going to kill Mordecai. I'm going to kill all of the Jews. And he kind of tricked the king into issuing an edict. And the edict that all the Jews were going to be killed at a date chosen in the future. And so they cast lots, called a Purim. They cast the lots, the Purim. They got the date that was a year out. Haman says that all the messengers and said a year from now, all the Jews are going to be killed, and that's it. We're getting rid of them. They're disloyal. He says all kinds of untrue things about them. Well, Mordecai is devastated. He's a Jew. Esther's a Jew, and he's wondering, what's going to happen? We're all going to die. But then he thinks to himself, Esther could do something about this, but, but he goes into mourning, and he, he goes outside the, 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 the gates, the palace gates, and he dresses in burlap and ashes. He's publicly mourning what's going on. And Esther hears about it, and she becomes distressed because Mordecai, who was like a father to her, who had raised her, is distressed and in mourning, and she can't figure out why. And so they, they go back and forth between Messenger, not Facebook Messenger. In regular physical messengers. And so, so they, had the, they had this messenger going back and forth, and she asked him what's wrong through the messenger. And the messenger comes back and tells Queen Esther, Queen, this is what's happening. And he lays out the plan that had been hatched by Haman. Mordecai tells, relays to her everything that's happening. And she's now distressed. And Mordecai says to her, listen, you've got to do something about this. You have the king's ear, so you need to go to him. And you need, to, you need to say something. You need to do something. She responds back through the messenger and says, I can't. I can't because he hasn't called for me and I risk my own life if I do. And so here's where it comes. Here's what happens. We pick up the story in Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Esther has come back, sent the message to Mordecai. The message was, king hasn't called for me can't go to him. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Listen to this close. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. So he says to her, Esther, listen, if you think you're going to escape getting killed because you're in the palace, it's not going to happen. And then notice what he says next, verse 14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, I want you to hang on to that phrase, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives, that's me and you and all of our other relatives, and all of the other Jews will die. That's pretty blunt, right? He says to her, you can't keep quiet if you are quiet at a time like this. When your voice is needed, when you have influence, when, when this is the moment, if you do it and you're quiet, people are going to perish. That's some serious stuff. But then he says something that is so powerful and so remarkable, and I want you to hear it. 
He then says to her, keep quiet a time like this. Your relatives and everyone will die. But then he says this, look at this. The end of verse 14. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Wow. Mordecai says, who knows that God didn't use all of this to happen so that you wouldn't keep quiet at a time like this, but he has given you this place at this moment for just such a time as this to step up so that you are going to take and bring meaning out of this mess and out of this chaos. You are going to be the one that is going to rescue the Jews and make a difference. Esther gets convinced in verse 15. Esther said this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. We're going to fast. And listen to this. And then, though it is against the law, listen to what she says. I will go in to see the king. I love this. If I must die, I must die. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what happens, the rest of the story, very quickly. She does go into the king, and through a variety of circumstances, she makes the king aware of what's happened. Haman, who wanted to originally kill Mordecai, and he had a he had a, a pole, a big pole to impale him on, like 70, almost 75 feet in the air. He winds up getting impaled by the king on that, and Mordecai is raised to the place, uh, the, the level of almost where Haman was at before. So the entire Jewish nation, a year later, when the battle, Haman's people come, and the, the Jews wipe out all of Haman's people, and Mordecai now issues an edict. And he says, from now on, every year at this point, at this time, we're going to celebrate the fact that we were in tears, and God has helped us to triumph. And he said, the festival is going to be called, are you ready? Purim. Today the Jews celebrate the Feast of Purim the Feast of Lots, because the lot fell upon the Jews to be exterminated. But God used a woman by the name of Esther and her cousin by the name of Mordecai to save them all. For such a time as this. God's timing is perfect. See, all of this stuff that happened to Esther, God used it, even though this was a lifestyle that was forced on her, it wasn't anything that she chose. God, the whole time, even though she didn't know it, was preparing her for such a time as this. And can I tell you something? That principle is there for us today. It's the lesson that we learn from this. God is using the holding time for you as honing time. God is, is, is using the staying time as shaping time. Let me say that again. God's using the holding time as honing time, and he's using the staying time as shaping time. God is taking the waiting time, the time that you're on the treadmill, the time that you feel like you're not going to make it, the time where there's worry and there's anxiety and there's wonder and you don't know what's going to happen next. God can use all of that, all that holding time to hone you, all that staying time to shape you for the setup when it's time for you to step up. We learn about that from the story of Esther. He was honing her during the holding time. He was, he was shaping her during the staying time, as difficult as it was. And then when it was time for her to step up, she did. 
But how do we handle that in between time? What are some things that we can do? How do we, how do we work through them? Well, I think there's three lessons from Esther quickly that we can look at, and let me give them to you in the next couple of minutes. And these are things that I think we can apply to our lives starting today. The first lesson that we learn from Esther is the lesson of patience. She endured suffering, hardship, victimization, being what appeared to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was, was somebody that was like, sit along with the herd. She was she was had this, this lifestyle forced upon her, and yet she continued to be patient where she was at and didn't realize that while she continued day after day being patient, that God was honing her, that God was honing her during that holding time. Patience. Patience is a virtue. It's just not some of our virtue. Patience of waiting on the fire to start. Patience of waiting on that job to come. Patience of waiting on the right relationship. Patience. Patience is difficult. But it is a necessity because it's during that waiting time that God is shaping us. During that staying time, he's shaping us. So the first lesson we learn is to be patient. The second lesson that we learn is that of mentorship. Can I tell you something? Every In every story, every hero has a guide. Every hero has a mentor. Every hero has someone that is by their side, that is giving them guidance, that is encouraging them, that is always there. That was Mordecai. Mordecai was the one who stepped alongside Esther. And when the time came, he was the one that saw it. He said, listen, Esther, this is it. Who knows? You, at a time like this, you can't keep quiet. And who knows? I don't even know. But maybe you were put in the position for such a time as this. You know, we're not always going to look and say, this is the time for me to step up. But God will bring the people in our lives that are going to say, yeah, here's what you need to do. And they're going to be the people that are going to love us anyway, no matter what. They're not going to be the people that are there to manipulate us, but they're the people there to guide us. Look for the guide. As, look for the helpers. Look for the people that are going to be there by your side to say, you could do this, and who are willing to say, this is it. Now is the time. This could be it. Patience, mentorship. The third one, of course, is courage. When it's time to step up, you have to do it. It's going to be costly. Could cost you everything. And you know what? Esther didn't know. Esther wasn't sure. What Esther said was, if I step up and I do this, if I lose my life, I lose my life. But I've been put here for such a time as this. You know, we're in a real in-between time right now, aren't we? We're in a, in a very strange time. People feel like they're quarantined. They can't get out. They're starting to get stir crazy. But do you know that during this waiting time, this holding time, God is honing you and me? Do you know that, that during this staying time, he's actually shaping us for what he wants us to do and step, step up when it's time for all of this to be over? God can use all of this right now for such a time is this. The time is coming when he wants to use you to do incredible things. Imagine, imagine if we start to look at our life from the perspective of that, of that God is shaping me during this, this sort of weird staying time, that God, God is, is honing me in this holding time. We'll start to look at life totally different from a different perspective and know that God is at work behind the scenes that even though we can't see it, 
that we're going to be patient with it and we're going to look to others for help and, and, and we're going to have the courage to step up and we keep going through the process every single day because that's what, if we do, the time comes to step up. We will step in, step up to do great things. But if we don't, we're just going to grow more frustrated, more angry, and just look at the circumstances as something that's not even worth it. God could be preparing you right now for such a time as this. Work on these things during your downtime. And can I just say this? Don't whine about the wait. Quit whining about the waiting. Let God use this, this holding time to hone you and this staying time to shape you. Let him set you up so that when the time comes that you'll step up for such a time as this. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father and our God, we thank you and praise you for all that you do for us. We thank you that we could be together today. God, I pray now for these folks that, that you, all of us, that all of us together would understand that often during these holding times that we can't see and that we don't understand, you're honing us. That often during these staying times, you're shaping us. And so Father, we submit ourselves to you to do just that. Father, I pray that you will continue to guide us and that you'll bring the guides into our lives that we need at moments like this. So Father, bless these folks for having watched today. Encourage and strengthen them as only you can. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Don't go anywhere. Before you, before you go anywhere, I want to remind you that you... Uh, a couple of things that are going on that to join us on all of our social media channels. Make sure that you share this with someone else so that they can see it. And remember that that you sub make sure you subscribe to YouTube while you're here and watching this today and get the notifications. Also, you can send us an email to info at cbcfl.org if you'd like to be placed on our text list. We thank you so much for joining today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon on Community Bible Church Online. God bless you.